Hello, I'm John C. Bloom and I'm presenting six podcasts for you. Each will deal with a different aspect of mental health. In this podcast, I'm talking to an expert on best practice in the area. Dr. Sean Lundy is the Director for Strategy and Innovation at Tetra Consulting, an organisation with 21 years experience of providing consultancy, assessment and training services in the health and safety sector. And the man to ask about who has got the very best mental health policies and what you can learn from them. Well, there are a number of um, companies that have really sort of excelled around the well-being space. Um, IOSH, uh, the Institution of Occupational Safety and Health, produced a report on this um, and included a number of case studies. And a couple of the uh, interesting case studies came from um, BT and uh, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, um, who both sort of... Uh, implemented pretty serious well-being campaigns. Of course, they're large companies, they can afford to do this. But the BT one I thought was very interesting because uh, it took that kind of marginal gain approach. So it, what, what it tried to do is drip-feed a message um, into, the, uh, into the minds of people around well-being and try to get them to make very small changes, um, which potentially could have very long-term effects you know, on their overall well-being. And I think, I think that approach is probably more sustainable, um, works very well. Uh, so they, you know, they set up a group to, to sort of facilitate this. Um, they also measured the outcomes as well, which is quite important, uh, to get some sort of feedback on, on, on how well those initiatives work. Once they kind of gra- grabbed that sort of information, they realised that they were getting a great sort of return, if you like. So um, you know, the investment in the wellbeing campaign was really helping to sort of support the business by getting people back into work if they've been away from work, um, supporting them whilst they're in work if they had sort of minor health ailments, as well as perhaps the the kind of slightly unknown factor, which is how you're improving people's overall health more holistically. So what were some of these small things that they did? Because they did have a big big effect. I mean, something like 35% fall in people off ill with mental health problems, people coming back to work after being away for really quite a long period of time with mental illness. It all worked. What were they doing? So I think BT took a more holistic approach. So they, they, they looked across all areas of, of sort of mental health and well-being right through to the more physical areas of sort of ergonomic health um, and uh, those sort of interventions to, to sort of alleviate sort of musculoskeletal problems at work. And I think, I think one of the things they did very well is they kind of targeted as, you know, so people who are working in certain areas of the business perhaps were more susceptible to certain types of ill health. They sort of targeted those very, very well as well as kind of providing that more holistic approach. So it was, it was kind of more than just putting a bowl of fruit on the table at lunchtime. Uh, it was very much about sort of understanding the work that people do, um, the sort of stress factors that they implement. They also implemented a, a quite a novel um, risk assessment process around uh, work-related stress, which was modelled off the existing HSE management standard, um, but adapted and tailored to suit the business. So that was particularly effective, I think, in giving data and information. And so a lot of it was prevention, that you used to stop the problem at source, really. Yeah, and I think, I think that's one of the issues around well-being. It's very much about sort of uh, um, making sure that you, you intervene at the right time. Um, so, you know, you don't want to be too preachy about it and, uh, and sort of, you know, banging people over the head about how unhealthy they are and, and trying to get them to sort of change their ways. So this kind of behaviour, it's, it's sort of like behavioural modification in a way, um, which nobody really likes to hear, that doesn't sound good, but um, the reality is if you can sort of um, nudge people a little bit in the right direction, um, and once they realise the benefits of that, then that becomes a more sustainable solution. So they were very successful in achieving that. Nobody wants to think Big Brother is telling them to go for a walk, but actually if they do go for a walk, they do feel better. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's about culture as well. So I think one of the things they did very effectively is um, they created a culture around well-being. Um, and it's, you know, it's, a, it, it's a bit like anything to do with health and safety. It does require some, some high-level commitment as well. So getting the directors and senior members of the business to buy into the concept is an important start. Um, and then you know, uh, everyone sort of you know, walking the walk, if you like. It just became uh, a part of the culture of the organisation, which, which helped it work. And BT also spent an awful lot of time finding out about people's mental health in quite interesting ways, didn't they? Yeah, so they used their, their, their sort of modified stress assessment tool, um, which is based, as I said, on the stress management standard from the HSE. Um, and they demonstrated, of course, by doing that sort of post-intervention, um, post that they could demonstrate that people's stress levels were reduced as a result of that. And, of course, they did other campaigns as well around nutrition and cancer awareness um, and launched quizzes and had website information available and they were able to measure the engagement with that. So people sort of clicking on the websites and engaging with that material. That data was very useful because you could see that kind of going up and up and up as the campaigns progressed. Um, and indeed the questionnaires were all about um, the effect it was having on them personally. So people were able to sort of self-declare that they were maybe modifying their behaviour a little bit or changing the way, their habits and, and what they were doing. And all of that information was sort of collated and reported on on a regular basis. So it becomes a kind of a virtuous circle in which you get the information back proving something is working or not and you can adapt your programme to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think some of the successful programmes that have been launched have been able to not only gather that data but also report that back not only to the board perhaps or to senior managers but also to all the employees to help them understand um, that the campaigns are working. And it kind of avoids that, that problem of, of well-being or well-being campaigns becoming a tick box sort of exercise where you know you're, you're, you're just launching it trying to get a bit of an improvement and then you walk off and do something else so the whole idea certainly with BT and, and uh, GSK w w was all about sort of making sure it's more sustainable long term um, and, and sort of measurable over not just the medium term but potentially over long term uh, in terms of health outcomes. And Burnley Council also used to have terrible problems with absenteeism, ill health, people often sick leave and they did, had quite a success in turning that around. Yeah, I mean, a lot of local authorities, um, because of the nature of the work, it's, it's a very different than a commercial organisation. It can be extremely stressful. There are often funding issues there as well and, and staffing issues. So resources can be um, uh, you know, difficult to come by. And all of that can lead to, to very, um, very high levels of stress and absenteeism. So um, trying to turn that around, that's, that's quite a big tanker to turn, if you like. But in order to sort of do that, you don't have, always have the option of just throwing lots of resource at it. So you have to be a little bit more particular uh, about how you focus your efforts. So I think Burnley were very good at um, understanding the issue in quite a lot of detail and working very closely with people. So, so one of the mistakes a lot of organisations can make is they try and do a one-size-fits-all approach. Whereas I think a, a more tailored approach, um, so having sort of services available when people need them, but also perhaps understanding what people's needs are within the context of the work they do. And I think Burnley did that very well. So understanding the nature of the stresses within a local authority requires you know, particular understanding, I think. It's a very different model, perhaps, than the commercial organisation. Because the stresses being felt by a, a social worker dealing with child abuse is going to be different from one for a road sweeper or a, a housing uh, clerk or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And... 
Yes, and and I think um, you know um, thinking about sort of well-being in a, in, a, in that kind of holistic context. Yeah, there may be more ergonomic type musculoskeletal issues to deal with from the road worker, which could have an you know an equally damaging effect on their their attendance at work. Whereas a social worker, it's going to be very less physical, more mental, and uh, you know you need to address that in a very different way. Well, we have so far been talking about very large organisations, major councils. Uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies and BT and so on. Yeah. For the small and medium company that might be listening to this, what can they do immediately to try and improve um, the health, the mental health of their workers? Well, I think, I mean, I, I work for a, an SME. Um, you know, I've got just over 100 people in the company that I work for, and I sit on the board there. Um, and we've had a conversation at board level, certainly over the last two years, with everything we've gone through, as everyone else has, um, about changing the conversation around well-being and, in particular, mental health. So it's, it's, about, it's about sort of removing the stigma, it's about having the conversations, and, and it's about, um, you know, tackling individuals rather than just putting in, you know, generic uh, um, interventions. So um, I think small businesses can do that um, quite effectively, actually, because often they have a, a closer relationship via their sort of line managers um, to staff. So I think uh, getting line managers... Uh, up to speed, really, on, on mental health interventions and, and destigmatizing that whole um, issue is a really key step and making sure there's more conversation. So, for example, we, we sort of instigated more regular communication. And we just improved um, and, and increased the number of meetings we were having with individuals, um, not to create it as a bureaucratic process, but it was just short conversations about how people were in order that we could sort of identify where interventions might be needed. Um, and we made everyone aware of that as well. So it was, it was a lot more than just writing a policy. Uh, it, was, it was more practical steps, more um, sort of um, bespoke, if you like, to each individual need. And I think small businesses can do that very well. So in some ways, more effectively, perhaps, than the bigger businesses. And in the longer term, as a, what do you think they should be doing? Well, I think, I think small businesses probably um, could do with support. There's a lot of support out there. Um, um, Mind do uh, pr- provide a lot of information. The government is increasingly um, um, acknowledging, of course, that well-being and mental health is a significant issue in society generally, but also very particular, uh, particularly in work. Um, so there are a lot of um, there's a lot of material available there, and of course, Make UK have provided information and guidance as well. So I think it's really important to engage with that. I think it is important to nominate people to take a lead role as well, particularly in a small business, because everyone's busy, uh, you can't expect everyone to absorb all this information. So having a sort of dedicated uh, person who sort of engages with the information and the facilities that are available outside, bringing them into the business and sort of implementing as and when they see fit. And I think also, um, you know, getting the, the board on board, if you like, you know, getting the directors of a business to recognise that they have a really important role to play in setting the leadership tone throughout the whole business. Okay, well, if those are the do's, what are the, what are the don'ts? I think, I think some, some of the do's are um, trying to avoid that one-size-fits-all. I think that's a big thing. So we've seen in the past a lot of interventions which have involved, you know, doing kind of simple things but, but actually not sustainable things. You know, the, um, you know the, the fruit on the table, telling people to go for a walk at lunchtime, all of those sort of things. They are important, of course, but they're not really the type of change that's going to be, be long-term. So the don'ts, don't be overly generic, don't go for the, 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 the sort of easy, buzzy option. Um, think it through, uh, understand your workforce, I think is a key thing, um, and maybe focus on things that are going to have the biggest impact 
uh, in the shorter period of time. So, um, I mean, typically, I think you want a well-being strategy that's going to suit everybody. You probably need something that's going to be um, available to people as and when they need it. And then you probably need very targeted services for people who are clearly at a, at a more critical stage, maybe people in crisis or people that perhaps are, who are off long-term sick or you want to get back into the office having a mechanism to deal with them specifically. So there's three different levels there really to focus on, I think, for small businesses. That basically is the BT model, which was to prevent it, to protect people and then to intervene when necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, um, as in any health and safety or well-being model, you want prevention first, then control. So, um, so try and create a, an environment, a culture where you've got good preventative measures for everybody then have some form of sort of intervention and then somewhere where you, you might need to sort of get in there and do serious control. And that's a, good, that's a good model, actually. Dr. Sean Lundy on the best models to follow to improve and maintain mental health in your organisation. I hope this and the other podcasts will help. If you want to learn more about how Make UK can assist you in promoting and maintaining mental health, visit our website. There you'll find details on training, surveys, assessments, a mental health toolkit, a well-being guide and virtual classrooms all ready for you to use. I'm Jonty Bloom. Thank you for listening to this Make UK podcast.